Holy cow, guys. It's been a hot minute. It uh, definitely has been. Yeah. I'm feeling better. We're back. I was super sick and Chantal was totally sick as well, but I literally felt like I was on my deathbed for a little while there. I was like sick for what? Like four weeks-ish. Yeah, about that. So yeah, it's definitely been six weeks since I recorded. And you think I could remember what's happened in those six weeks? No. Yeah, I was like a lot has happened. Uh, yeah, I was in um, coma. Is how I feel for all of December. So Chantal got sick with, was it just like a cold? Is that how it started off? And then it became bronchitis or? It's, it just, I don't know. I went from feeling fine to just starting to feel really, really rough. So yeah, you were uh, sick for like one, two weeks. I can't remember now. I was sick for about three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. About three weeks in total. Okay. And then after the three week mark, I started to feel better. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was pretty shitty, but um, glad to be feeling better now and excited for new changes to be happening in 2023. Yep. I have a new job. I gave my notice where I was working. And so, yeah, what I'm going to be doing now is pretty exciting. And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a new adventure. Yeah. And I start on Monday. Sure missed you over Christmas. Diana was supposed to come to my house and spend the night. And, like, I was hoping that she was maybe going to come over Christmas Eve, like, on, on at night when I got back from my family dinner. And then she was going to stay till like Boxing Day or something. Um, but you were so sick and you were dying. And yeah, and believe it or not, I was actually feeling better at that point. I think my text to you was I used to feel like a, a 20 pound bag of shit, dog shit. And then that night I felt like a 10 pound bag of dog shit. So I still felt like dog shit. So with me, it started off as, I guess, like just a cold or the flu or whatever it was. Then it turned into a sinus and chest infection with bronchitis and then pneumonia. I'm still not feeling 100% better. Like my sinuses, I have to use the sinus spray and all that stuff so I can sound normal and breathe. But I'm super lethargic still. Like I could literally sleep for 20 hours straight. My body is tired. <laughs> well, why don't you enlighten everybody of how Josh woke you up? Yeah, okay. So I was going to because it's too funny not to mention. It's hilarious. So yeah, originally we were going to record. Well, okay. So before that, yes, I was going to go spend Christmas with you. And I was so hoping that I would be feeling better. And then I was like, okay, fine. Not feeling better. Okay. New Year's. I want to feel, be feeling better for that. And then I spent it in bed. Yeah. And I went to, I went to my friend Rachel's place yep. and partied with her and some of her family and their friends and uh, missed Diana tremendously the entire time. I and was, too. yeah, thank you. Really hoping that you could be a part of all of the, uh, festivities the festivities yes and the shenanigans yeah it was bullshit i i'm so annoyed i honestly feel like i lost a month of my life i don't remember a lot of it mm -hmm. especially because my fever was so high for a bunch of it so what were we talking about and then i went back to that josh yes okay so i'm still super tired and it, it's weird because i can like at night I'm, i have a difficult time sleeping sometimes still but Regardless if I sleep at night or not, I can sleep all day still, which is, well, exhausting. <laughs> like, I just feel so fucking tired. And we were supposed to record on Friday? We were supposed to record a couple days. Yeah, ago. But I didn't finish my story. I mean, it was finished, but I just wasn't feeling great. So we just watched movies. Yeah. And then today, I was like, okay, well, you know, if we're not recording, then let's record on Saturday. Today's Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I passed out on the couch. 
because again, I'm so fucking tired. My phone was beside me and Chantel had called me a few times. I did not hear the phone and she texted me and then she called Josh. And then he called me a few times and texted me and I heard none of it. So I woke up (laughs) with so much confusion. Like I was so fucking disoriented and confused (laughs) because I woke up to all the lights on in my house. Well, in the living room anyway, but I know they were on everywhere. The TV was on and George Michael was blaring upstairs. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was dreaming. Like I didn't know what the fuck was going on. My vacuum, vacuum cleaners were going. My mop was going, which... By the way, Chantal dubbed uh, Floor Slut. I got one over Christmas because I've wanted one for so long and it finally went on sale. So I got I got myself one for Christmas. So anyway, so Floor Slut is pretty. And she gets stuck and needs assistance. She does. And uh, I, have, I have it so that it notifies me over Google. All my speakers in the house. So she gets stuck or, or even when she's done. But when she gets stuck, it's hilarious. It's like the Floor Slut is stuck. She needs assistance. Yeah. <laughs> Her floor slut is, what What do they say? Floor slut is finished. Or whatever. I can't yeah. remember. But it's however they, however always fucking it. funny. It's hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. So, yeah, all of that was going on. And I just didn't know what the fuck was going on, where I was. And I called, or I, I can't remember if I called Josh or he called me. And I answered and he's like, are you awake? I'm like, well, I'm, a- I'm answering the phone. He's like, Chantel's been trying to get a hold of you. And then I was trying to get a hold of you. And then I couldn't. So I decided to turn everything on in the house. And he goes, are you still going to wake up? And I was like, no, I didn't. It was George Michael that woke me up because I was like <laughs> so fucking confused. I was like, where and why do I hear George Michael? Why do I hear George Michael in my house? But I haven't heard him in like for so long. Like something was playing. I loved it in my youth, but I haven't heard it for so long. So like waking up, hearing that and everything's on and yeah, you feel disoriented. You have no idea where you were or are. It took me about 10 minutes, I think, to fully like wake up. Yeah. And then I died because I was just like, yep, that was hilarious. It's mm-hmm. so funny. But yeah. In the moment, is. I had zero idea what was going on. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And then I was in my office at home and then Josh calls me. And tells me what he's done. And I was laughing my ass off. And 30 seconds into our phone call, Diana was calling me. So Josh and I are laughing and everything. And then I'm like trying to wrap up the phone conversation with him. I'm like, your mom's calling me. I'm going to answer the call. Okay, thanks. Thank you for doing this. Bye. And then I actually did answer your call, but I was just too late and it hung up. Yeah, yeah. I like missed it by like 0.5th of a second. Oh, and it's fine. Because I, I mean, I figure... Yeah, and I, I called, stuff. yeah, I was just on the phone with your son yeah. laughing about what he did to you. And then I just called you right back immediately. Yeah. But yeah, that was hilarious. I laughed so hard when Josh told me that. And I was like, <laughs> that is fucking brilliant. That is brilliant. And guess who else is hooked up to your house speakers? Uh, oh, yeah, to my speakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you on my home? My Google? Yep. I have to check it out. Mm-hmm. I know you are when you're in the house. I don't know if you are when you leave the house. Oh, I hope I am. I hope not. <laughs> Because you know what I'm going to be waking you up with. Well, then, yeah, that fucking uh, my eyes bleed, my ears bleed, everything, <laughs> country music. Yeah. All your speakers in the house will commit suicide. They will. If you do that, I'll have to fucking do it with your uh, speaker in your kitchen, too. <laughs> I will do it. Yep, I will not hesitate. But yes, <laughs> it was funny. so funny. And I've been giggling about it on and off. Like I said, I first woke up super disoriented and I was just like, this yeah, is a dream. What's going on? Right. Fucking dying. It was pretty funny. My son is uh, 
pretty hilarious. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Josh is hilarious. He is. Okay, like the last time I came over. Um, so Josh, to me, Josh is like a brother. Like he's like my brother, which is really nice because I always wanted a brother. There you go. So him and Sean, my sister's husband, yeah. they're both like literally like brothers to me. The last time I came over to Diana's house, Josh was uh, downstairs and he was about to come up and then he's seen me and I have this kind of signature wave that I do to everybody. And it's like the, if you think of like the, the shape wave? of a rainbow, no, it's like the, like this, oh, I go like okay. this, like okay. a rainbow. It's like a rainbow wave. Just like, think of like, you know, like the shape of a rainbow. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I did that to him and then he just flipped me off always. And so then I flip him off. And so it's funny because normally that's both of our reactions to each totally. other. Yep. But my initial reaction was like, oh, hi, Josh. Wave to him and he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fuck you too. Yep. It was like when you guys did that to me at my work yep. and I was so confused. You were. Okay. So that's so confused. Okay, so that confusion, but just waking up. <laughs> Imagine that. Right? You're like, oh, I was like, what is this guy with long hair flipping me off? And I didn't have my glasses on. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> that was funny. Yes. They yes. will forever flip you off. It's just how it's always going to be. So I have a couple things to tell. Uh, so when we started getting our huge dumps of snow in Kelowna, Alicia and I, well, I always have to take full advantage of it. I love burning donuts and drifting in my truck. Yeah, you told me that. Oh, it's like one of my favorite things to do. And so seriously, see when I see so people do fun. that. By the way, and I know you've heard me say this. When I see people do that, I'm like, idiot, you're fucking ruining your tires. It doesn't chew it up that when bad if there's snow, lots of snow. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't and chew it up. Is the only time I think you do it, right? No, that's the only time. I wouldn't well, do that's it. What yeah. I meant. Yeah, 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 no, I would never do it on pavement because, yeah, you'll fucking ruin your tires. You'll burn them out. Remember when you were at that, the apartment and we were on your deck and they're like the industrial building kind of across the street? Oh, Cisco. And- sure yeah and Cisco's this fucking idiot me. was just yeah lighting his tires up yeah and it was summer yeah and you're like what are you and doing you, you dumbass it's like you fucking dumbass you literally are burning yeah your fucking tires but okay continue yeah the yeah continue yeah no i only do it in the winter yeah, time i figured i figured yeah. that's what you did yeah and really i feel i wouldn't even try and do it in any others in any other season because i feel like it would be too difficult how the fuck do you even burn a donut unless you're on ice or snow? Like, I don't even know how you'd even do that. With effort, I suppose. I guess people do it all the effort. time. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I would never do that. Only in the wintertime. Yeah. So when we were getting those huge dumps of snow, I told Alicia, I was like, I am literally going out to go burn donuts. Do you want to come with me? And she was like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, right? And so it was snowing like crazy, but in Kelowna, it was too wet of a snow. It was almost like rain snow. Oh, okay, okay. And so it wasn't going to work in Kelowna because it was just like slush on the ground and that's mm. not slippery enough. So I, I waited in Orchard Park parking lot for her for what felt like forever. Uh, long enough for me to find six lighters in my truck. Nice. Yeah. Wow. See, that's me. Klepto. Great HD. I know. It must have been like out of control. So oh, really? like, yeah. Let's find shit. Anyway, so I'm waiting at Orchard Park for her and she finally shows up and we went to West Bank because I needed the higher elevation, right? Right. And did I, I told you about this, right? How we went and I went to Walmart and ripped a bunch of donuts in the Walmart parking lot. You may have. I was so sick. Honestly, I don't remember a lot of shit. Oh, okay. So maybe. And then we went to Canadian Tire and I was burning donuts around all the light posts. Like pirouetting around them. Yeah. And then we went to Home Depot and I just (gasps) fucking ripped her in Home Depot. It was like an obstacle course. Yeah. With my truck. It was so fun. I was scaring Alicia so bad. She was like, you're getting to the classes. She agreed to go with you. I I know. So. I know. on her. Yeah, right? Exactly. 
and I honestly wasn't getting that close to anything. But I, she's just not used to it, I suppose. And and I know my truck. Like I'm not going to hit anything. Oh, totally. But yeah. when you're in the driver's seat, yeah, it's different. It's different. Your oh, anxiety yeah. is like you know through the roof. When because- you're in the passenger seat, you mean like your anxiety is Thank higher. You. That's I was I like, I didn't have high anxiety as a driver. No, I'm so fucking <laughs> sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. I, I, meant, I figured like, yeah, that's what you're you meant. A passenger in yeah. a vehicle. Well, yeah, you're not in control, right? Nope. You're just along for the fucking ride, literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh yeah, so I can see. I I probably would be the same. Like that post is like two inches away, and it's like. 20 feet away but yeah whatever i was about six feet i was about six feet away from things close, but not like around me two inches away no yeah i know <laughs> i was getting that close it felt like oh yeah i'm sure it did feel like that to her for sure yeah but of course like i know my truck i know what i'm doing i've done i've been drifting since i was like 19 and so i yeah like i know what i'm doing i'm not gonna hit anything i can honestly say i've never done it oh it's so fucking fun diana dude if we get another dump of snow we have to go all right well it's so fun let me know yes so to the point that like when I was doing like an, my obstacle course around in Home Depot parking lot, there were these people who had been working there doing something and they were watching me at one point and like cheering me on. <laughs> yeah. I do not remember this. Oh <laughs> man. It was so funny. And they were just like, yeah, I'm like, go on and give her. And so I'm, you know, I'm doing that, whatever. Yeah. We've been going until like 3.30 in the morning because we ended up going to the docks in West Bank too. Just have to, we're like just literally acting like teenagers. Sisterly teenage time. Sisterly teenage time. Yeah, we went to the docks and we're like hanging out there smoking a joint and stuff. And we're like, huh, well, this is nostalgic. Because <laughs> I mean, we've been doing like not her and I, but like yeah. all of us, like, you know, people from Kelowna who were born and raised here, we all fucking hung out at the docks. In Ro- or in Galatly Bay. All of us did. I never did. So, well, yeah, but you weren't a teenager I here. I wasn't. Yeah. And Josh did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. See, exactly. So when he was in high yeah. school and stuff like that, he always went to the docks. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Especially people from West Bank. Yeah, and it's yeah. gorgeous there. Oh, it is. Galatly Bay is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I but love yeah. that area. Uh, I've been there, like, because they have the dog park. Oh, yeah. And the dog beach and stuff like that. Like, I have been there, and it's gorgeous. But, yeah, I never, again, was a teenager here. But, yeah, Josh totally fucking went there all the time with his friends. Oh, yeah. I used to jump off of the very top with the, where the wheels were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jumped off there. There used to be a big dock in the middle of the lake, so you jump off the dock that you're like you walk out on, yeah, and then you swim out to the big middle one, and it was huge, like it had a huge fucking fo- like fire ladder on it, mm-hmm. and you jump off of that. People would dive off of it and stuff. Daredevil. Oh, it was so fun, but then they ended up tearing it down. Ew, like yeah, it's again, not there. It's not. I, um, no, it's not there anymore. And all of us were pissed. I I've been here what? It's oh shit! It's gonna be eleven years. years. Yeah, eleven years. But. I do not remember seeing that. That doesn't mean much. The middle dock? Yeah. So when was that torn down? Do you remember? I think it was torn down in like 2018 or something like that. Okay. 2018 or 2017, something like that, I think. Shit. I I just never noticed it, I guess. Yeah, you must have just never noticed it, but it was so fun. They redid the whole thing. Yeah, they redid all of it. Beautiful. But again, like Josh probably remembers because he was there all the time with his friends. For sure he'd remember. But I wasn't there often. And when I did go, it was usually to go to the dog beach with, well, the dogs. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I don't don't remember that. That's Hmm. fair. Yeah. But yeah, that night was fun. I'm pretty sure I terrorized the person in the bobcat who was shoveling in the Walmart parking lot. 
I was like ripping donuts. Not obviously right around him. You should have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I gave I'm him a wide. I gave him a wide girth, but I was doing donuts around him. Oh, like, wow. and I'm sure I was driving him fucking crazy. Probably. And then, okay, so when we got into the Walmart parking lot, that was the first one I hit. Mm-hmm. And then this car drove in behind me, and as soon as I got out of the parking lot, I just started like opening my truck up. And this guy in the car goes flying past me, drifting, and we're just like, we have our windows open, and we're like, yeah to each other and stuff oh my god it was fucking hilarious i was laughing so hard so then we went back and those people who were working there or something and were mm-hmm. cheering me on they were still there and when i came back in they were like yeah like she's back <laughs> it was so funny so that was great but then my transmission started overheating and that's never happened to me before ever i've never had that happen to me ever period hmm. under any circumstances normal or otherwise hmm. i all of a sudden i looked at my instrument panel and it said transmission hot and i'm like oh, fuck and i looked over alicia and i was like trying so hard to stay calm and i was like it's fine do you know how to get it to uh stop doing that what transmission no wait is it transmission or the coolant if you throw it on full blast heat. I never thought about that. It, it uh, but counters it. it. It balances it out. I, that wouldn't have anything to do, the tra- to do with the transmission, no, maybe the motor? Thinking, no, because I was, th- I was thinking of something completely different. Because I had to do that when that fucking asshole came out of nowhere when I was on the 401. And went from like the far right lane to the left lane. And he just assumed no one was on the highway. And then I had to move so I wouldn't fucking hit him. And it was winter. And my car spun out and then i hit the partition so the thing in the front of the tr- uh or in front of the oh vehicle, your radiator radiator that's it okay yeah so I'm, i was confusing the two but yeah if if that ever gets busted you throw the fucking heat on yeah because it's the only way i could get home because if you don't it keeps overheating oh yeah for sure definitely anyway i'm yeah. getting all that out but yes okay continue no it's all good <laughs> it out. Uh, no it's it's all good no worries but anyways yeah so my transmission overheated and that was scary and uh, but what it was like my transitions it's it's fine what it was is because i was um like when you're when you're burning donuts and stuff you're revving it right yeah. and you're not like revving it crazy high but you are revving it well, you have you're, to. you're revving it above two grand right totally. you have to exactly to get the momentum and you're you know like you're feathering the gas yeah. and you're cranking the steering wheel because yeah. you really want to spin right yeah. but because of all of that revving of the transmission and everything like that it's not and because you're going pretty slow because you're 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 just you know like you're swinging yourself but you're not going too terribly fast like a like driving right mm. so it's not getting enough airflow um okay. actually it sort of has to do with the radiator like you're talking about not the radiator itself but like in my truck anyways beside the radiator i have a reservoir for transmission fluid there's a feeding and receiving so it runs from the transmission to the cooling system in the front that's connected to the radiator and it just literally cools the tranny fluid and then it feeds it back through these lines okay so actually your theory of you know turning the heat on or not even theory the fact of what you said could have actually worked possibly because it could have actually potentially like cooled off the tranny fluid as well yeah right because it's attached to the radiator so it may have worked i never thought of it but that's a really good idea but yeah so i basically just left my truck running and we sat there for about 20 25 minutes and eventually it just went off the instrument panel went back to odometer so why wouldn't you just turn it off I didn't want to turn it off. Sometimes, oh, like certain okay. with situations of overheating and stuff, you don't want to just kill your engine. Yeah, okay. You want to keep Fair. it running, but just let it idle and let everything calm down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I just left it running. Oh, yeah. Sure. And then once it it went off, I just waited like maybe another ten minutes or so, 
and then drove away and everything was fine. I was but say, it was you did more donuts. Was scary. No, no, I was done. Like, that, yeah, done. Oh yeah, that humbled me real fast. But it was fun. It was worth it. I'm sure all of the people in the apartment buildings across from hated Home Depot fucking hated me well, for a solid 45 minutes. They probably hated probably. me. Probably. And again. When you were in that apartment and those people did that, <laughs> we were like fucking assholes. I know pieces of shit have nothing better to do with their lives. And here I am with my truck. But it is louder when it's on pavement versus snow. Yeah, like you're still revving, but like the tire. Yeah, it's, it's not a screech. It's still annoying, <laughs> but it's so fun when you're doing it. All right, well, I'll have to. I'll have to join next time. Oh, definitely. It's a. It's a riot. It's a time. Let me tell you, it's fun. So there was that. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I was going to tell you guys is I fell through my cattle gate or cattle guard at my house. So for those of you who don't know what a cattle guard is, it's in the ground. And uh, it's like the so the ground will be dug out uh, like a trench, basically, in a pretty deep trench. And then this metal contraption is placed over top of it. And it's it's dug to size. It's dug to the size of the contraption. It looks like cattle guards. I honestly didn't know what they were either when i lived on ontario I, really oh yeah i i oh. mean because i wasn't in the country in ontario right like i was yeah. in the city so never ever came across them yeah until i moved here so it looks like a short fence that's yeah but, on the floor. yeah it's basically like laying on the ground yeah 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 and so it's yeah like these metal bars like diana said it looks like a metal fence but like laying on the ground but it's like like flush with the dirt yes, up top yeah, right yeah. and it's literally what it is like a cattle guard it's to block cattle from going past it yep so, uh, yeah, at our gate where we live, uh, like, as you guys know, we, uh, we live off grid. And so we have a gate on our driveway and there's a cattle guard right, right in front of the gate. Yep. Jamie and I were coming home one night uh, in December. I got out of the truck to open the gate for us. And it's kind of funny because as soon as I was getting out of the truck, he was like, be careful. Cause it's fucking <laughs> sketchy over that cattle it's, guard. It's slippery. Like, it's super metal, slippery. Yeah. It's always, fucking sketchy. I always think I'm going to break my neck. Oh, me too. I always think this is how I'm going to die. Like, yep. this is it. I'm going to fucking bust fucking my ankle. I know. It's so sketchy. I still need to go to Home Depot and get a piece of plyboard to lay down there. Yeah. yeah. Well, exact, just for when you're opening your gate. Yeah, just like to walk just, on it. Yeah. Because in the summer, I always have flip flops on. You know that. Yeah. Walking on that thing with flip flops. Oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. So I always go to the end because there's, you know how the dirt kind of goes like that. I, yeah. I never walk on it anymore. I go right to the end, walk through the yeah. ditch, and then go back to my vehicle. Yeah. That's what I started doing. It's the safest bet. Well, yeah, because a few yeah. times I was like, uh, I might actually break my neck. Well, yeah, and if you mm -hmm. fell through that thing like really bad, like you yep. could absolutely 100% bust your ankle. And get stuck. Yeah, get stuck. You could arguably break your leg. Mm -hmm. Like if you fell a certain way, the wrong way and tried to save yourself, but you yep. went through, you could probably snap your leg. Probably. And so anyways, yeah, I got out. Jamie's like, be careful. I took one step, went right through it. And as soon as I took my step, I knew it was, I knew it was not going to be good. I knew I was going to fall through it, but it was too late. It yeah. was that moment where you're like, oh shit, but it's going to happen. Right. Exactly. And so that's what happened. So I fell through it. Both my legs went right through like on and not together. Mm -hmm. They went through separately through sep through separate like uh, gaps in, in the bars. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. So like it was a rough fall, but as rough of a fall as it was, it could have been a lot worse. Like oh, I could have, I could have yeah. broken my ankle. I could have broken my leg, but the shittiest face planted shit. Oh like, yeah. I could have, I could have, yeah. Like hit my face on, on the cattle guard itself. But I mean, with that said, I did stab myself. No, but that, I wasn't even thinking about the cattle guard. Yeah. You have the gate there and then you have the um, barbed wire. Barbed wire. You could totally have 
Like your face. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. In the oh yeah, into the you, you meant into the barbed wire. Yeah, gone into the barbed wire or that gate that's there, which still wouldn't feel great. But the barbed wire, I'm betting, would feel a thousand percent worse. Yeah, it probably would, and I can vouch for it because it sure as hell hurt my hand yep. when I fell. I grabbed the wooden post that the barbed wire is attached to. And it's wrapped around the post and just instinct when you fall, you grab the first thing that's closest to you, right? And so when I fell, I reached my left hand over and grabbed the post and I grabbed right onto the barbed wire that was wrapped around the post and I stabbed my hand in two spots. I'm looking at it right now and it's scarred. Yeah. So uh, that really hurt. It was like on the brink of infection, if not already had an infection brewing in it. Oh, and by the way. Oh, it was so fucking painful to heal. Yeah. I, I remember you telling me and I it believe was it because it, it was a stab wound. Yeah. It's not like a, it's not a hurt. It, it's going deeper into the Yeah. Tissue. And it's dragging shit in with it. And oh, yeah. at least I'm up to date on tetanus. Yes. Oh, well, every 10 years, technically. You yeah. Should, yeah. 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 And I, I had a shot in like 2017 or something. Good. Yeah. I had um, my last one was in 20. 17 i think actually yeah. 2016 anyways whatever so i just wanted to add to you trying to heal your hand peroxide people yeah is not meant to be put on wounds my mother and father always did it and they're like look at it burning all of the fucking chemicals the problem with peroxide is it's killing your uh your healthy cells as well as the cells that shouldn't be there like it, uh, good bacteria, bad bacteria. It's yeah. not good. You should never <laughs> use peroxide for that. Use a mild soap. Yeah. Wash your fucking hands and then put uh, polysporin on it. Yeah. And I was like dumping peroxide. She was. She's like, I was dumping it. it around. And I was like, uh, yeah. I was were, carrying it around with me everywhere. Probably took like longer for it to heal because you were doing that. But again, every, it's just one of those things everyone does. Oh, yeah. Well, I've always done that. Saline water. The shit. Saline yeah. Was, it's like, just like salt water. Yeah. Like salt that, water. That. No, it's good because I didn't know that. I'm glad that you're saying it for everyone else to know. I had no idea. It's like people that eat raw potatoes, like Chantal. (laughs) It's part of the nightshade family, just so everybody knows. Yes, one of my weaknesses, this is very strange, but like russet, specifically russet, that's the only raw potato I will eat. Fucking love raw potatoes. Oh my God. Like, peel a russet potato, cut it up. I'll like take a piece and put salt and pepper on it. It's so good. I thought she was joking. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, quantity will. Yeah. W- right. Bite, yeah. Just, but it's it's, it's the dose. Not good. Yeah, it's not good. So yeah, when she, when she found out, she was quite disappointed. I'm sorry to burst that bubble for you, dude. But it's fine. I still eat raw potatoes. Yeah. Just again, moderation. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the dose that dictates how toxic it's going to be. Right. Totally. I mean, also depending how concentrated it is as well, but having one slice of raw russet potato once every like few months, as long I'm as sure I'm going to be fine. As long as you can control yourself to just one slice. I usually have more than that. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I heard stories growing up, but like the one guy that injected himself with uh, snake poison, like small doses. Every yeah. Day. Yeah. To build up resilience. To build up resilience. And then yeah. if he gets bit. It's kind of that. That's what you're doing with potatoes. Yeah, yeah potatoes. totally. That's right. I've eaten an entire raw potato before. Like, just cut it up and kept putting salt and pepper on it. So good. Gross. It's really good. It's so starchy. <laughs> like, seriously. It is starchy. Like, even when I cut them up. Yeah, you I get starch like, all over your fingers. I do not like that. It tastes really good, in my opinion, anyways, but I'm fucking weird. Yeah, so am I. I, I bet you everyone listening is fucking weird, too. I, w- you, I would think so. And, and if you don't think you I are. I would hope so. And realize that they are. And weird is good. Weird is good. Weird, weird people is- are the most supportive. They're the most interesting. Yep. We're the hottest. Mm-hmm. 
But you guys could have seen Diana's face. <laughs> Her eyes went so big. They almost popped yeah. out of my fucking face. That was so funny. Oh, that was hilarious. I loved your reaction. I'm just that was comedy gold. That's hilarious. Yeah. It just, it makes me laugh when people get so mad that animals have attitude. Uh, duh. Yeah. We have attitude. <laughs> okay. So quickly, before we dive into our stories, sure. I have some more exciting news. Oh, okay. Good exciting news. Not falling through anything and getting hurt. Although I did re-sprain my ankle and slightly tore the ligament. No more you and me hurting In my left ourselves. ankle, I know. 2023. Yeah. No I know, hurt. no more hurting. No, no, hurting. no more accidents in 2023. Bad. Okay, go on. So what's the good news? Yeah, so I have my consultation on January 14th. I'm eventually going to get both of my arms tattooed among a lot of my other, the rest of my body. But um, I've been planning my left sleeve since I was about 19. And uh, finally, it's happening. I have my consultation on January 14th to go see my artist, which is also Diana's tattoo artist. Fuck yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. Everyone, yeah. everyone Shout in out the to Russia. Oh, fuck, man. I, I have to. Every, yep. Anyone in the Okanagan, you want brilliant artists, like tattoo artists, go to see Rasha Tattoo. It's Rasha Tattoo and Art Studio, I think. I He's think like, so. Because he also does, it's just not tattooing. Like, he yeah, does he, everything. He, he does, paints, yeah. He spray paints, he etches glass. Like, he does everything and he does vehicles he does yes he does, he does like custom he painting, does custom custom airbrushing yes. on vehicles he is it's amazing he works out of penticton brilliant penticton so which brilliant. is about an hour south of Kelowna. If, if people don't know that russia well his real name is rod amazing you're brilliant your wife is amazing i love her sylvia me too uh, you're all amazing and uh yeah i'm super happy that you're going to give him work even though again it's not like he's hurting for it because he's booking oh my god so fucking yeah get dance. this dudes my actual appointment isn't until june yes time but yeah i'm so excited i'm so excited. i'm so excited for you finally dude it's gonna be a fun day yep it's gonna be a fucking fun day man i'm gonna be there uh yeah yeah we're both say, going we're even both if, going if, even if you told me diana don't come <laughs> i would meet you there just pop out of the bushes and be like stop bitch, bitch. yes yeah, surprise bitch as if i would tell you don't come i'm You're just not coming i'm just saying if that date ever came which is never going to no that's what what i would do yeah but yes like i'm so fucking stoked for you you have no idea dude me too i'm so excited Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait to map this all out with him. And it's also super exciting too. And you'll understand as well, cause you're an artist. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an artist. So it's exciting because I'm going to be designing what's going on to me as well. I'm not going to be just leaving it up to him to come up with something. I'm going to be designing it and drawing it out well, and, that's and the then bouncing off of, with him. Cause yeah. we're both artists, yeah. right? That's the whole so, point of this consultation is to yeah. go back and forth and, and go, what's going to work no totally i just mean like from the perspective too of specifically being an artist it's cool to collaborate and work with another artist yes but uh the only thing like the only reason why i said that is um there are things that i thought would work Mm -hmm. as an artist yeah as a tattoo artist he was yeah they're like that's not gonna work yeah totally you're like oh fuck yeah totally So, but that's why yeah these consultations are so important for sure and i recommend everyone do that yeah it's so important it's pretty permanent yeah so yeah so it's good because you can fucking lay it all out and then if there's anything that again from the, the tattoo artist perspective he can be like well and then suggest something else which yeah. he's done with almost all of my tattoos yep. and i can't wait for june and then it gives me time to save up too right okay so 
we're going to get into our stories. Mm-hmm. Or unless is there anything else you wanted to talk about, babe? Not at all. All right. So I'm going to go first because Diana's story is going to be two parts because it's a mile fucking long. Yep. And so mine and mine is quite short. I actually was going to do two mini stories for this episode, but because we haven't recorded together in like fucking six weeks we knew we were probably going to have a lot to jibber jabber about in the beginning so i was like you know what my first mini story is only like two and a half pages um how about i just tell this one for this episode and diana's still recovering from being so sick too so i don't want to want her to overdo it with too much talking and being you know like too social and stuff like that and it's exhausting podcasting, guys. It really is fucking tiring. It's, it's like a whole other full-time yeah, job. Yeah, it's a full-time job. It's fucking tiring and being social and always, like, on. Yeah, and we had it's no very idea tiring. when we went in. Although, no. we have these discussions all the time. Like, we talk like this all the time. Oh, yeah. This is how we always talk to each other. Yeah, like, recording it and, well, the research, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, it's so tiring. It's, it's a full-time fucking job. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I decided to just tell one of the mini stories for this episode. And also because Diana's story is so long, um, even though she's cutting it in half. So both of us are basically cutting our stories in half. So then the next episode, she'll be telling the rest of hers and I'll be telling my other mini story. There you go. All right. Okay. So ready. Pants ready. on. Pants on. Pants off. Or off. Ooh, maybe I want my pants <laughs> off. I think I want my pants off. I love not wearing any pants. So do I. I right? love walking around. Oh. You know, oh, I love walking around with no pants on. I like not wearing pants, right? And I know you do as well. Oh, fuck yeah, you know me, man. Yeah, pants yep. off. Let's do that. Pants so. off. Fuck yeah. All right. My sources for my first story. I'm gonna uh, cite the sources separately. So the sources for my first story is uh, Weird History and AmericanShootingJournal.com. So trigger warning for immense gore and animal attacks, specifically. Uh, Apex Predator Mauling. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This episode, I have two mini stories to share with everyone, and they're both titled differently. I'm going to share two grizzly bear attack stories. One that occurred in 2003, Mm -hmm. and the other in 2011. The first one is titled Fight or Flight. Uh, My first story, which took place in 2011, is about Wes Perkins and his attack from a 13-year-old 800-pound grizzly bear in Nome, Alaska, while out on a hunting trip with two other men on Sunday, May 14th, 2011. Wes, 54 at the time of the attack and now 65, has always been a very experienced outdoorsman and hunter and was a member of the Nome Fire Department for 34 years, joining in February of 1978. He is also a trained EMT, which was absolutely a factor in his survival, along with the quick rifle action of his two partners, father-son duo Dan Stang, who was a dentist in Nome, and his son Edward, who was a dentistry student. Euthanizing the boar and performing critical level three first aid was phase one of many phases for Wes. After tracking a grizzly for some time on snowmobiles, Wes set out after the bear on his own for a short distance, and he initially thought that they lost the bear once it started running and went out of sight. Little did he know, while stopped briefly on his machine to put his camera in the front pouch on his snowmobile, the bear charged out of a snow cave 69 feet away, ambushing him, and within nine steps, Wes only had time to shout, Oh shit! and swing his rifle halfway around his body before the 8-foot, 800-pound grizzly bear was on top of him and quite literally ripping his face off. That's so scary. 
Yeah. Nine steps. 69 feet, nine steps. After Dan and Edward euthanized the boar, Wes, being a trained paramedic, reached into what was left of his throat to pull out pieces of his face so he could keep his airways open. He said, quote, if I was unconscious, I would have died. Also, as long as I lay still just right, I was able to keep my airway open. I could not move my face sideways or my airway would close. I know if I lost consciousness, I would have probably died. So I stayed alert all the way to Nome and I could squeeze the hands of my two partners when they asked me questions. As Wes's two hunting partners performed first aid on him, they also radio called to the town of Nome for emergency help. Where they were situated on the Seaward Peninsula, it was closer to Russia than Anchorage. Somehow, Wes's brother Nate was contacted, but I'm not sure who got a hold of him. It's not mentioned. Nate organized an emergency lift for Wes off of the... I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Higluik. I'm sorry, say that again. Higluik Mountains. Spell that out. K-I-G-L-U-A-I-K. All right. Higluik. I don't know. Something mountains. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) I thought so too. Good effort. About 49 kilometers, which is 30 miles from Nome. Nate later said in an interview that Ben Rowe, the ace chopper pilot, saved Wes's life. The truth is, Ben was one of hundreds of people who saved Wes's life. And once he was being airlifted, dozens of emergency responders and the staff at Norton Sound Health Corp were getting ready to act the moment he landed. Once they had him stabilized, a medevac flight brought him to Harborview, where a medical team began reassembling Wes's face. Once that process was finished, I mean, to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. he was brought to the Providence, Alaska Medical Center and Alaska Regional Hospital in Anchorage for his continued treatment. Wes spent five days in a medically induced coma, lost over 30 pounds, has had over 30 surgeries and more than a million dollars in medical bills. Doctors had to take bone from his fibula to create a new jaw for him as the bear completely ripped his off. Yeah. They had to create titanium cheekbones and a titanium rib to go under his new jawbone. The fact that he survived. Oh, yeah. I'm just warning you guys that, like, we'll, I'll post pictures in our Instagram post for this, but, like, and I'm sure it's going to get blurred out. I'm just oh, warning you that it is grisly as the, fuck. It is the worst. It's as bad as it can get. To be alive, his entire face got ripped off. All that was left was one of his eyes. That's it. His entire face is gone. So, like, it, it's as bad as it can get. So I'm just warning you guys, it's extremely fucking graphic. The only part of Wes's face, literally this is my next sentence, the only part of Wes's face that remained after the attack was his left eye. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing. I know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, totally. I'm not laughing at you guys. <laughs> at you, Wes? Wes? Wes, yeah. I'm not laughing at you, I swear. Obviously, we're not laughing at the victim of a grizzly attack. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Do you imagine what a fucking monster that would take? There's monsters in this world. I can't imagine anybody who would laugh at someone who was mauled by a bear, but I'm sure there's somebody oh, who yeah. would. But it's not going to be us. I'm not sure how his vision is now, but I know years ago he could only see light and dark shades and his left eye constantly wept. Despite all of the enormous rounds of therapy and challenges beyond our wildest dreams, he has made an amazing recovery. His fighting spirit and lack of feeling sorry for himself has also saved his life. Wes could have had the best medical team in the entire world, but if he, if he lost the will to live and fight, it would have been all for nothing. One of the hardest hurdles Wes ever had to overcome was going from a very chatty and talkative man to having speech difficulties due to ending up with half a tongue. 
He became an expert writer on a notepad he used for years to communicate properly, but I'm sure his speech is more refined now. While Wes was at home, he kept himself very busy and never felt sorry for himself. He cooked for people in town, made sausages, breads, and other foods. He also successfully completed the course for his EMT Level 2 recertification and was very eager to return to work. Wes and his family had massive amounts of emotional and financial support pour in from across Alaska and even Canada. Airlines and passengers also helped him and his wife when he was required to travel for surgeries and other medical affairs. Now he is back to enjoying his life in rugged Alaska, fishing, hunting, hiking, and surrounded by his family, friends, and coworkers who adore him, and I'm sure Wes is chatting up a storm. Wes truly is walking affirmation and living proof of will to live. Yeah. And that's my story of him getting attacked and mauled by a fucking grizzly bear. Crazy. And then I will tell the next story in episode 27. Okay, I want to show you a picture of this guy's face. Ugh. It's I- fucking brutal. Like, I don't know how he even survived that. So it's my turn now. Yep. Are you recording? Yes, I okay. am. My turn to uh, tell my story. And again, this is going to be a two-part story because there were so many details and I didn't feel right cutting out a lot of those details. Yeah. So it was sort of like the story you did. Yeah, you have to include all the greasy shit. Yeah. Uh, so my story today is about the British serial killers Fred and Rosemary or Rose West. Hmm. Have you heard of them before? I don't, not, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. But maybe once I start hearing about it, I'll be like, oh yeah, them. So I'm not sure, but we'll see. We will see. Let's hear it. So my sources are Murderpedia, Wikipedia, walesonline.co.uk, and Wales is like, like, because it's in Europe. Yeah, W-A-L. No, W-A-L-E-S. Oh, yeah, right. That's how you spell yeah, whales. Yeah, not right, whales right, right. the animal. Yeah, that's W-H-A. Right, yeah. right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Independent.co.uk and um, the Fred and Rosemary documentary, which is called, well, Fred and, and Rose, the West Murderers documentary. I don't know why I said that so slow, but... <laughs> you did. I did. Anyways. Uh, triggers. Are not fun tonight, folks. Rape, child abuse, incest, animal abuse, and murder. Oh, mm-hmm. that's like some of the worst, like the whole, some of the most horrible ones combined. Yeah, like I said, it's not pretty. No kidding. So, <clears throat> I'm going to start with a little bit of background on both of them. There's way more information on Fred and his background than there was on Rose. So I'm going to start with her. And again, just very little information there. So Uh, Rose West. So again, she was born Rosemary Pauline Letts was her name. But I'm just going to keep referring mm -hmm. to her as Rose. Because, I mean, later in life, that's what she did. Yeah. She was born on November 29th of 1953 in the UK um, to parents William Andrew and Daisy Gwendolyn. Her family wasn't well off. They were extremely poor. Um, She was the fifth born of seven children. Her mother actually had the most brutal pregnancy with her and almost died. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. But then they went to have, you know, more kids. Of course. Because that's a smart thing to do. That's totally the smart thing to do. 
you know, hey, this one almost killed me. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Two more times. Lovely. Her mother suffered from depression and was given ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy while she was pregnant. So basically electric shock therapy. Yeah. I'm sure everyone knows what that is, but in case you didn't. So yeah, it, they did that while she was pregnant. That's brutal. Mm -hmm. It was considered safe back then. So, I mean, pregnant or not, that's... It was very common oh, in the early 1900s yes, and stuff yes. like that. Very common. Again, it was considered safe. Yeah. So It was like lobotomies. Which was also considered safe. I know, exactly. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah, they were considered safe too. Uh -huh. They were not. So, they say that this may have caused prenatal development injuries to Rose. I'm sure it did. Oh, I'm sure it did too. The poor fetus. Fuck. Getting Rose, barbecued every right? time. Yeah, literally. There's a joke there, and I just don't know what it is yet. But when I find, when I figure it out, I will let you guys know. Somewhere in there, we can find some dark oh, humor. There is a joke there. We we will figure it out. So Rose grew up to be a very moody and gifted child, and was set to be way ahead of her time. She was described as a um, daydreamer at school and didn't do well academically unfortunately because she was constantly her head was constantly in the clouds so she was constantly you know daydreaming rose's parents separated when she was a teenager she lived with her mother for about six months after that separation happened <clears throat> but eventually moved in with her father after six months she was 16 years old at the time her father suffered from schizophrenia and was extremely violent and repeatedly sexually abused Rose and her older sister, Patricia. Ugh. That's the only thing I actually found about her sister. Oh, yeah. really? That's it. Yeah. But he um, wasn't, wasn't good to the girls. That sucks. When Rose started going through puberty, she was super fascinated with how her body was changing and i mean i totally remember being there oh yeah me too you're just like what, what i'm getting titties going on yeah pubic hair yeah when that started happening it was just yeah, like, I was like what? why what the fuck? yeah yeah it's why not, it's not necessary anyway so yeah she was super fascinated with her body and how it was changing and she started walking around the house naked or semi-naked with her brothers around so her younger brother graham was present for most of her exhibition of well parading around the house naked so she's a twisted fuck as well uh yeah so graham was about 13 at the time when she started doing this it's all that barbecuing it is again there's a fucking oh, joke there we will figure it <laughs> out and then we will post that shit when he was nine years old, she would get into, oh, this is brutal, guys. When she was nine years old, she would get into his bed and molest him, Ugh. as well as her younger brother, Gordon. So, a tiny bit about Fred. He was born Frederick Walter Stephen West on September 29th of 1941 in England. His parents, Walter's 
Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill had multiple pregnancies, but unfortunately, she miscarried a lot and he was the first child to survive. He also came from a very poor family who were farm workers, so didn't have a lot of money. His dad was very strict and his mother was overprotective, so not a good combination. No. In 1946, his family moved where his dad worked as a milking herdsman and harvestant. Their cottage, so like they had their own little place, their cottage had no electricity and was heated by fire. By 1951, his mother had popped out a total of eight kids. Holy fuck. Six of them survived. They say his mom favored him amongst all of his siblings because he was her first surviving child. And yeah. I understand that. Like you want it so fucking bad. And then there, like yeah. he's there. So yeah. So she definitely favored him. And by the way, when, when I say popping out kids, I know some people might slightly be offended by that. I know it's a sensitive topic, but I've had my, my fair share of miscarriages. I think I told you, I stopped counting after, uh, I can count on both my hands and both my feet. I stopped counting. So I get it. It's um, just not not a good topic. So anyway, whatever. Yeah. I also get that birth control wasn't the thing then. No. So you just fucked and got pregnant and kept popping out fucking kids, man. Ugh. It was the same with my family. Like, as the generations have gone by like you see yeah oh my God, 10 kids seven kids six becomes kids, lesser kids, yeah four kids two kids one kid no kid <laughs> so yeah it just blows my mind that women were they literally spent most of their lives pregnant. yeah most of their lives pregnant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for no postpartum thanks. no thanks pregnant postpartum pregnant yep. postpartum yeah. pregnant postpartum yeah. yeah no thanks no thank you I, fuck all uh -uh. of that yep God, I would have hated to have been a woman back then. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. And it wasn't even necessarily back then. When I was a kid, there was a neighbor that lived across the street and she had 12 kids. Jesus Christ. They were very, very religious, didn't believe in birth control. Of course. And they were all a year apart, Ugh. like roughly. They must have just been falling out by the end. Oh, I'm sure. she. No need to. No, she would have been like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Yep. Oh wow, that's quite the image, right? I don't understand how women how women can do this. I have so no idea. many times. I don't fucking get it. I would die. Well, and that was actually going to be one of my points. A lot of them did. Yeah, a lot of die. them did. Brutal, dude. Yeah. Anyways, yes. Okay, back to back my back on track. Story. So this fucking piece of shit that I've been talking about was uh, referred to as a total mama's boy. And his siblings were his only form of companionship. He did not have friends at all. All the kids were expected to earn their keep. So the girls went and picked hops and strawberries and the boys harvested wheat and hunted rabbits. This taught Fred that he needed to work hard to survive. And uh, he also developed a lifelong habit of petty theft. His classmates later claimed and described him as scruffy, dim, lethargic, and he was always in trouble. He wasn't very literate and showed a natural ability for woodwork and artwork. He left school when he was 
15 years old and went to work as a laborer. Later in life, Fred said that his mother introduced him to sex at the age of 12, that he performed acts of bestiality oh, in no. his teens, and that he believed incest was normal. Oh, no. As his father had sex with his sisters all the time. Oh, fucking gross. Lots of gross. Fucking gross. That one sentence made me want to vomit. All of it. In 1957, Fred and his brother John frequently went to a youth club. He loved to harass all the women and girls there. Of course he did. And uh, loved to objectify them. Of course he they did. they were a source of pleasure for him. Because as we know, women are just nothing but objects oh, for yeah. men. Well, look at his father. He had a great role model. Uh-huh. Oh. Again, he thought it was normal. It's all kinds of fucked up. How mentally ill do you have to be to have sex with your child? He was a, a schizophrenic. No, but I mean even the father fucking his daughters. That's what I mean. The oh, father. Oh yeah, that's right. The father is schizophrenic, a, right? A, a, yeah, oh, right. I can't even say that. I thought that. you meant Fred. No, no, no. He's not. Right. His father was. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't excuse, excuse it. No, no obviously not, not. But no. But there was a lot of mental illness in the family, and well, and people were so much more fucked up back then. Yeah, people were so fucked because. Back then, you didn't talk about shit. No, exactly. It and you were like... Yeah, nobody went to therapy. Mm, nobody dealt with anything. No. There wasn't any diagno diagnoses Nothing. or very few diagnoses. Yeah. Diagnosis, whatever. Yeah. So, like... Diag diag diagnosis? Diagnosis? I think diagnostics is a tool. Is a tool to make a diagnosis. Right. Okay. All but right. diagnoses is certainly not right. It's not a that word. Is not that is not correct. <laughs> that is not a word. That's forced. We just made a word. Diagnosis is. We made a word. Anyway. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, like all these like brutal serial killers and that we talk about and all the other tr true crime podcasts and shit, they all happened in like, you know, from like basically 1990 and earlier. And I mean, look at the times. Right? I mean, they still exist now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's because, not nearly as much. Oh, fuck no. Because it's not nearly then, what it used to be. You pushed that shit down as first. You packed that fucking shit down until you felt like you were going to explode. Until you started killing people. Uh, this is so fucking crazy. Pretty much. Right? And then you throw on things like addiction on top of it. Mm -hmm. And people were treated. Like, people. Addicts are still treated horribly. Yeah. However, obviously, it was even worse back then. Oh, fuck yeah. So, if you were an addict or something, mm -hmm. you know, you were automatically going to be treated even shittier and be treated like you're the scum of society. Yeah, because you're almost, like, denied. You don't deserve... Yeah, man, exactly. Because you're just you're an you're just a junkie. Whereas like now, obviously that mentality. Thank the darkness. That mentality is starting to change now. Where people who are addicts are being viewed as they're still fucking people and they, they need are. help, and they're getting the treatment that they fucking need. Yeah, and a lot of times addicts are in a situation where their you know their families and society has failed them. Yeah, and they they've needed help. They're still people. I would say ninety nine percent. Of the cases that I've, I mean, we've heard over the years and blah, blah, blah. It's been the family has failed. Yeah. That individual, because they didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So this individual feels like a massive piece of shit and then turns to crime and all that kind of yeah. shit. Because like, I mean, what else do you It's do? just a snowball effect. It's just a fucking snowball effect. Yeah. But it is definitely improving. It is nowhere near what it needs to be. No. Like, it needs to improve, but it's a start. It's a start. It's and a fucking start. 
we Portugal leads by example. Yep. We need to start following Portugal and yes. places like that. I agree. Who have completely decriminalized drugs. Yes. Portugal is fucking just ahead of the paving time. the way they, when it comes to dealing with addiction and drug use. Yes, they're ahead of the times in uh, some ways for sure. And yeah, that, when I when yeah. I realized they did that, is incredible. Was very proud, totally, of them. Yeah, you know totally. What? Who the fuck are you to say that's bad? That's okay. And then let's say this is bad. That's not. But then the person that is going to the bad needs help exactly so you're not going to help them because they're so fucked up so yeah. they get worse exactly and then the cycle keeps going yeah and like this needs to be the cycle needs to be broken by inserting mental health care yeah inserting naloxone yep. you know like inserting this inserting this to try and make it better and no matter again you know what we think is a society of like oh this is bad this is good stop doing this well that has proven time and time again to be ineffective yep. to push abstinence yep. any sort of abstinence whether it be drug use alcohol use sex it, that doesn't work. Wear this ring and you're a virgin. Yeah, like, God. yeah, sorry, it's, sorry. it's okay. Sorry, the, not sorry. Pushing that notion, that mindset does not fucking work. No. So people are always going to use, even if you tell them not to, yep. unless of course they want to change. But like, let's just talk, let's just, you know, like in reference to like, they're not in the mental space where they're going to seek rehab and stuff, mm -hmm. right? They're going to continue using. Doesn't give, it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else no, says. But so you may as well create a safe space for them. Yeah. Because and now, try and do it as, as safely as possible. Because they also are... And decriminalize it. Fuck yeah. I'm Addicts so, don't I'm, belong in jail. I'm so proud of Portugal. Because now they're accessing street shit. Like yeah. Kill them and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, people are going to do what they do. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, again, very proud when I read that Portugal did that. And it's the right way to go about it absolutely it. is every single place in the world drugs should be decriminalized mm -hmm. because bottom line addicts don't belong in jail nope. that's not where they fucking belong addicts need to be in rehab they need they need help, help. and this is also mm -hmm. going to help reframe the mindset of addiction with society we need to stop demonizing people who are addicts it's a disease it is. and that also needs to be wi widely accepted because that is a consensus from science and yep. psychology it's a disease yep and so like yeah like we need to reframe this and again stop demonizing people who are addicts yep. because we all have our own shit we all we, have our own addictions we all have our it own addictions it, it could be wine it can be uh cigarettes it, it could be, be sex yep it makes me angry oh it makes me angry too i have very strong opinions on this i know you do yeah let's say as you, you can tell shared it <laughs> i know <laughs> so do you in case you guys didn't know we have very strong opinions about this shit we're opinionated yeah and we can be and, and that is okay you don't have to. It is okay for women to be opinionated. Yeah. And have a mouth and know how to use it. So, back to my story. So, as I was saying, Fred and his brother, John, would go to these clubs. And Fred loved to objectify and um, just do whatever the fuck he wanted with these women. He would just walk up to these victims and fondle them. No! Mm-hmm. 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 What a fucking pig. Yep. When a girl actually was receptive to those, the advancement from him, they were 
disappointed and found him unsatisfying. Oh, I'm, I'm sure surprised. he was very unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. He totally sucked. That sucks. Apparently, <laughs> apparently he was very selfish and he only cared. Yes, he was about. I'm sorry. I'll stop my commentary. No, no, no. I love it. <laughs> okay. I know everyone else does too. I, I feel like I'm being a pain in the ass because I'm like th- I'm speaking, but I'm I'm speaking what I'm no, thinking right now. Please. Then I'm like, oh my god, I need to shut the fuck up. Uh, yeah. No, he was a fucking piece of shit and uh just love to fondle random women and once in a while he got lucky and they were okay with it but in the end they were not satisfied because it was all about him (laughs) so yeah when a girl found his advances okay which is kind of weird yeah, no kidding. They were unsatisfied because apparently he sucked at sex and he only cared about getting off like himself. Of course. And had zero interest in what was going on with the other person in the room. So very, very, very fucking selfish. And peeps, girls, boys, all of you, it's not okay to be selfish when it comes to that kind of stuff. Nope. Reciprocate, man. Yep. Do it. Or just get yourself off and leave the other person the fuck alone. And that too. You can totally go fuck yourself. Like, literally. Like, literally, go fuck yourself. And not bring someone else into the disappointment. Exactly. So, when he was 17, he was in a motorcycle accident and suffered from a fractured skull, a broken arm, and a broken leg. He was in a coma for about seven days and needed braces to help him walk. Two years later, he decided, and you're going to want to listen to this, he decided to grope a girl while they were standing on a fire escape at a club, and she knocked the motherfucker out. Fuck yeah, bitch! Take him to church! Which made him fall two stories, and he suffered another head injury. Fuck yes, girl! Yep, that's why I was Knock like, his bitch ass out! I need to hear this. Fuck yeah. Because I'm very proud of whoever that woman was. So am I. So, in June of 1961, his 13-year-old sister, Kitty, Mm -hmm. told their mom that he was raping her since December from the previous year. So, about six to seven months. And she became pregnant. Oh, my God! Mm -hmm. He was arrested that same month. And he freely admitted that he was molesting his younger sisters since he was a young teen. And asked the cops quotations doesn't everyone do that my god end quote i wonder how horrified they were Mm -hmm. oh my god i can't even imagine being the people having with morals having to deal with that in a a situation like that because you're having to go all right i'm trying to be a professional and not fucking kill you right now right piece of shit right Mm -hmm. yep yeah He was tried on November 9th of 1961, but the case fell apart. (sighs) This is brutal. When his mom decided that she was going to testify in his defense. No, she did not. Even though, and she fully said this, she was totally disgusted with what he did. But he was her first child, so she felt like she had to. She's fucked in the head just as much as he is. Yep. Fucking stupid bitch. Yeah, totally. And then his sister, Kitty, the one that he was doing this to, refused to testify. What leg did she have to stand on? 
her mom is testifying for him, even though the mom knew he was raping her. So the whole thing fell apart. Nothing happened. Wow. Shit. Yep. Most of his family disowned him and his mother actually banished him from their home. So he ended up moving in with his aunt Violet. He managed to reconcile with his parents about a year later, but most of his family members still had zero interest in having a relationship with him. In September of 1962, Fred was 21 at that time. He met Catherine Bernadette Costello, a.k.a. Rena. So that's what I'm going to refer to her as in my story. So Rena was actually pregnant when they met, and they got married shortly after they met. She was, okay, guys, some racist shit here. Oh, I should have put that in my triggers. Anyway, better late than never. Racism. She was impregnated by an Asian bus driver. Not that it fucking matters. They just think the same thing. Not that it matters, but and I'm I want to roll my eyes so far into my fucking skull right now with that. I couldn't find any other information on this guy other than that he was Asian and a bus driver. That was it. She was forced to move after getting pregnant because her family was beyond pissed off that she got pregnant and was carrying a mixed race child. So these two got married on November 17th. And the only person that attended the wedding was his uh, younger brother, John. So he was his best man. Rena and Fred Mm -hmm. lived with his aunt for a little while, but then they moved and he found a job as an ice cream truck driver yikes rena's daughter her name was charmaine and she was born in march of 1963 to avoid judgment from everyone they made up a story and said well rena was pregnant she had a miscarriage and they adopted a year later in july they had another daughter and her name was Anne marie Their nanny and neighbors described Rena as a good mom, but she did struggle to raise two kids, which I completely understand. Me too. Yeah, not what everyone's meant to be a parent. It is uh, a discussion we actually have wanted to have and we haven't yet, but we will in another episode because this one is going to be super long. It's okay not to want to be a parent. Yep. Not everyone's meant to be. So we will definitely, maybe on our next episode. We'll, we'll yeah, maybe we'll talk, to, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, she struggled to be a mom to them. So Fred was a total dickwad to both children. He treated them like fucking garbage. He would, oh my God, this stressed me out and made me so sad. They, they had bunk beds mm-hmm. and he would keep the girls, like both girls in the bottom bunk oh, no. with bars. He caged them. Animals don't deserve to be caged. Never mind your own fucking kids. Ugh. The only time they were allowed out was when he was working. Other than that, they spent their time in their one bunk with bars. He's a fucking monster. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Mm-hmm. So Fred and Rena became friends with their babysitter's friend, who was 16 at the time, and her name was Anne McFall. She was not in a good place when they met her because 
She was dealing with major depression because her boyfriend had died in a workplace accident. Fred later admitted that he repeatedly cheated on Rena and had a, a, a child with another woman. Wow. When Rena found out, she started having an affair with a man named John McLaughlin. Fred did catch them holding each other at some point and punched her. Wow. And she screamed out in pain because it I fucking mean, hurt. It fucking hurt. So John returned the favor and punched Fred out. Good. Because Good for him. Right? If you can dish it, you should be able to take it. Fuck yeah. Fred did pull out a knife and wounded John's abdomen. But uh, John punched him again. And Fred stopped fighting. Years later, John said, quote, he couldn't tackle a man, but he wasn't so slow in attacking women, end quote. Rena continued her affair with John. John hated that she was constantly covered in bruises. She had black eyes all the time. Her body was completely covered in bruises Ugh. from the beatings that she Poor took. thing. Yeah, I know. Fred was constantly beating the shit out of her. Mm -hmm. So, John beat the fucking living shit out of him. When Charmaine was a toddler, she asked Fred for ice cream when the ice cream truck went by. And he decided, instead of giving her ice cream, to fucking just fucking smack her across the head. This landed him another beating from John. <laughs> On November 4th of 1965, Fred accidentally drove over a small boy with his van and killed him no it was an accident he was cleared of all charges but was afraid of the locals and what they would potentially do to him he rented a caravan and <clears throat> moved the following month with uh, his daughter Anne-Marie and Charmaine Rena their nanny her name was Isa and the babysitter, the 16-year-old I was talking about, her name was Anne. They all moved in with Fred and their daughters in February of 1966. First of all, I can't believe she left her daughters with him yeah. for like three months, knowing what he was doing. Secondly, she goes in with the nanny and babysitter, and they're all a happy family. So shortly after their move... Fred found a job and started working at the local slaughterhouse. Shortly after the women moved in, Fred became, surprise, surprise, super controlling over all of them and started being a total prick and douchebag and trying to dominate all of them. He was a fucking dick and had massive violent mood swings. He took his anger out on Rena and the nanny mainly. He also physically attacked his stepdaughter, Charmaine, and sexually abused her. He convinced Rena, so his wife, to start prostituting herself to help make ends meet because he wasn't making enough money at the slaughterhouse. He was a sadistic piece of shit. Oh yeah, big time. And he only got worse over time, unfortunately, but no surprise. Rena hated her life with him and was desperate to leave. So she called John to come and save them all. Their plan was to have Issa's boyfriend drive up and take them all back to Scotland without Fred knowing about any of it. But Anne, 
the babysitter spilled the beans. No, she did not. And told Fred what everything. What the fuck is wrong with her? At some point, he asked her to marry him. Ew! Mm -hmm. While he was still married. Fred went with Anne to the meetup place. And Anne told them that she was going to stay and be with Fred and be the kid's nanny. So... Fred and Issa's boyfriend started fighting. His name was also John, by the way. Mm -hmm. So this guy, so John, the boyfriend, he repeatedly hit Fred. Like, just beat the shit out of Good. him. While, unfortunately, he was holding on to Charmaine and oh. Anne-Marie. Unfortunately. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very unfortunate. So the police were called, and that made them go away so isa her boyfriend and rena had to leave fred threatened to kill rena if she ever showed her face again rena wanted to ensure that her girls were safe so she did visit her daughters from time to time even though he's threatened to kill her and she started to hate Anne. like they were friends but started to hate her because Anne had them call her mom like, oh really i'm mom this pissed Rena off so much that she stole a bunch of stuff from the caravan, which un not unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever, led to her arrest when she uh, returned home. On November 29th, Rena was sentenced to three years probation. After her trial, this just keeps getting crazier and crazier, by the way. Mm -hmm. After her trial, Anne moved out and Rena moved in with Fred part-time. Anne had written a number of letters to her family saying that she thought Fred could give her a better life than what she had. She tried to convince him to divorce Rena and marry her, but that didn't pan out as planned, obviously. Groomer. Wait till we see this guy's picture. Is he ugly? I'm assuming he's ugly. He's ugly. Is he as ugly as a dude who looks like an old woman? Ugly, yeah. Yeah. Like that guy. Like that guy, you know who I'm talking about? Yo, well, the one I did, yeah? Yeah. Not sure what all the ladies saw in him. He was so fucking fugly. Apparently, he's like in bed from everything that was collected, you know, with the case and all that. Yeah. And he had no money. But he managed to digmatize them somehow. Digmatize them? Yep. Yeah. That's and I, fucking I hilarious. Zero idea how. Anne vanished in 1967. And no one ever reported her missing. So the babysitter turned nanny. So the 16-year-old. She was 18 years old and pregnant with friend's baby. Oh my god, friend's. <laughs> friend's baby. Friend's baby. Fuck. She was 18 years old and pregnant with Fred's baby at the time of her disappearance. 27 years later, in June of 1994, they found her skeletal remains. Holy shit. As well as the remains of her unborn child. Aww. And they were buried in a cornfield. That's sad. She was dismembered. Shit. And a lot of the bones in her hands and feet were missing. And they also think that they cut the baby out of her before killing her. Aww. That's heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. This is a dark story, man. I know. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's what we do. Totally. Fred denied killing her, but told someone after his arrest that he had stabbed her after they had a massive fight. But it didn't make sense because they're saying that she was 
uh, like her arms behind her back and tied with a dressing gown cord. Hmm. So they're like, okay, that, and then repeatedly fucking stabbing her didn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. his story did not make anyway. So maybe he was trying to be super macho. Maybe. Who knows? Probably. The following month, Rena moved back in with friends and they relocated to a different caravan park. The relationship was doing better for a short while. Then I put in brackets as they always do when you get back together with an old partner. Mm-hmm. They behave for the first few weeks and then go back to their old ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from fucking experience. I put that in brackets. Yeah, it doesn't get better. I needed to fucking put... Yeah, it gets better for like a short while and then they're like, hey, go back to my fucking Mm -hmm. old ways. Bullshit. It's just a facade. Yep. She did move out a year later, but left her girls with him again. What the fuck, Rena? Where the hell are these women's brains? In hibernation? Apparently. He was abusing her and the girls, and she, when she had enough abuse, she would leave, but leave the girls to continue what dealing with What the fuck? Her. It's bullshit. When Fred didn't have a woman living with him to take care of the girls, he would put them in foster care. Mm-hmm. Those poor fucking kids. Why? If they kept giving the girls back, blows my fucking mind. The fact that he kept putting them up or putting them into foster care because, oh, I don't have a woman in my life and I need to work. Like, why would you put those kids back into that situation? Times, man. Well, well and, that's, times. and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, shit's changed. Nothing is ever going to be perfect, but like, what the fuck? Yeah. So this is where Fred and Rose meet. So the two people I'm actually talking about. So are you going to tell your entire story tonight? Nope. Okay. In early 1969, Fred met Rose shortly after, you're going to be disgusted, her 15th birthday. Oh, my God. At a bus stop. Oh, my God. Initially, she was actually grossed out by him. But that didn't last long as she absolutely loved the attention she was getting from him. He asked her out. He was 29. Ew. Mm-hmm. It was right. He said no initially to his first requests, advances, whatever you want to call it. Grooming. Grooming, sure. But she did let him walk her home from the bus stop. So it was like, ew, I don't want to date you, but okay, you can walk me home. On these walks, he learned that she never had a boyfriend, but was very promiscuous. Mm. He also played the, my wife left me and left me with the kids card. Tiny, tiny violin is what Chantal is doing right now. Playing the teeny bitty violin between her fingers. Because that's exactly what I... Oh, yeah, you're still playing the violin. Okay. Still (laughs) playing it. You know what? I was being very dramatic. You were. And that is okay because the story deserves It was needed. It was needed. It it fit. Yeah. So he totally said that. And he wanted a bigger family and she took that away from him. But so he could stick more kids behind bars? Probably. He found out that she worked at a local bakery and had a woman drop off a gift to her while she was working. And he was waiting outside. When that woman left, he did go inside and asked her out again. And she said yes this time. Ugh. They started dating. No. Yep. And she visited him at his caravan. He would actually leave her to babysit the girls. And again, remember how I said, like, if he didn't have a woman to care for the kids, they were in foster fucking care. 
So he actually left her with the girls. Of course he did. And she did comment that the girls looked like they were being neglected and that she did treat them with care at first. After a few weeks of dating, she quit her job at the bakery and became the girl's full-time nanny. She agreed to this because he promised to give her enough money to cover her salary because she gave her salary to her parents every Friday. And this was a way of them doing what they were doing without the parents knowing that she actually quit her job. Mm -hmm. After a few months, she introduced him to her family. They were not impressed. Her mother thought he was an arrogant prick. Yeah. Yeah. And a pathological liar, which he totally was. And a pedophile, which he totally was. Fuck yeah. Her father. I hope that was on their radar. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's okay. Her father, again, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And who apparently molested her, but again, I don't know that there's enough evidence of it, but Mm. apparently it happened. He hated him and threatened him to his face, saying that he would call the uh, social services if he continued to date Rose. Her parents kept their promise and went to social services. Good. And explained what was going on, that she was having sex with a much older man, and that there were rumors that she was prostituting herself. So, social services took her in and placed her in a home for troubled teenagers in August of 1969. She was only allowed to leave on weekends to visit her parents, but somehow she always found her way to Fred's place. On her 16th birthday, she left the house for troubled teens and went back to her parents only because Fred was serving a 30-day sentence for theft and unpaid fines. Once he was released, of course, she went right back to him. Ugh. Mm Mm-hmm. Rose's father tried one last time to make the stop and went to the police. She was examined by a police surgeon in February of 1970 who confirmed that she was pregnant. She was once again sent into care, but was released the following month with the condition that she would have an abortion and go back home to her parents. Once released, she went straight to Fred's place. Oh my God. And her father gave up at this point. He told her that she was never welcome back home. Wow. Cause that's uh, going to help. Right. Coming from a man who raped her. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Rumors do tend to be true most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. On October 17th of 1970, Rose gave birth to their daughter named Heather Ann, but there were rumors that this wasn't his kid, that it was her father's. What? Fred was in and out of trouble. And served a six and a half month sentence, leaving Rose to care for all three girls. She wasn't even 17 My at this time. God. Can you imagine? No. Rose was not kind to Anne Marie or Charmaine. She beat them and verbally abused them Ugh. daily. Anne Marie was very emotional and would react to the abuse she received, which, I mean, most of us would. Yeah. But Charmaine showed no emotion oh my goodness this pissed off rose so much 
because she was looking for a reaction. Yeah. Didn't matter what she did to the poor girl. She never cracked. Apparently, this did not break her spirit, though. She kept telling her sister that their real mommy wouldn't do this to them and that she would come back for them. Ugh, my heart. One of Charmaine's childhood friends, Tracy Giles, later said that she once walked into their place without Rose's knowledge. So, like, she was going to visit her friend, walked in, and Charmaine was standing on a chair, naked, gagged, with her hands tied behind her back. What? While Rose was standing in front of her holding a wooden spoon. Apparently, Charmaine showed no emotion and just took it. And, and maybe that was her coping mechanism. And probably. I understand that. She probably just disassociated. Like, yeah, exactly. And I completely understand Yeah, this. totally. This continued to piss off Rose. Rose took the girls to see Fred often while he was in jail. The last time being on June 15th, shortly before his release, that was scheduled for June 24th of 1971. Shortly after this last visit, Charmaine was murdered. No. Oh, that yeah. poor little girl. Wait till see, you see her photo. That poor little girl. When I saw that picture, I was in tears. Forensics confirmed <laughs> that she died before Fred's release. Surely, so that friend's mom went back in June so that Tracy and Charmaine could have a visit play date. And she was told by Rose, quote, she's gone to live with her mother and bloody good riddance, end quote. Rose told everyone, including Charmaine's school, that she went to live with her mother. Once Fred was released, Anne-Marie asked her dad about Charmaine and wanted to know if she was safe. She was concerned. All of a sudden, her sister was gone. But he showed very little interest. Anne-Marie wanted to know why her mom didn't take her. And she states in her autobiography called Out of the Shadows. When she asked Fred why she was left behind, he said, quote, She wouldn't want you, love. You're the wrong color. Rose stored Charmaine's body in a coal cellar until Fred uh, was released from prison. Instead of reacting... Like a loving father would. He didn't care at all that Charmaine was murdered and buried her naked body in the yard close to the back door from the apartment that they all lived in. An autopsy suggested that the body had been severed at the hip, but there was a lot of work done on the land and the building. So they're saying that when this was happening in 1976, it potentially could have dislocated her fucking hip from the rest of her body. Rena wasn't winning any parenting awards, obviously. She loved her girls, but kept leaving them with this fucking monster. In August of 1971, she decided she wanted to reach out and see how her girls were doing. Fred's sister-in-law later recollected that Rena was depressed and extremely anxious about her children's welfare. She found out where he lived because they had moved again and went to talk to him to see how, well, the girls were doing. And she wanted, potentially, she wanted to fight for custody. That was the very last time Rena was ever seen. Wow. It's believed that she was strangled in his truck while she was completely hammered. And to clarify, because I feel like I need to, not hammered like she was like struck with a hammer 
over and over again. She was drunk. Yeah, she was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "Ah, comedic, you know, whatever. Yeah. Throw that in there. When they found her body, they found a short metal tube in her remains. There were also signs of sexual assault prior to her being murdered. Her body was dismembered, placed in plastic bags, and buried about um, 1.6 kilometers from where he was living at the time. And with that said, this is where I'm ending my story and we'll continue next week. That's that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. So we're done. <laughs> that is a wrap on episode 26, people. Yep. Finally, we are recording again. Yep. It feels great to sit in front of this microphone again or it's, behind it rather. It was it was weird not. I know doing this. I know for so long. It's just become part of life. <laughs> totally. And I feel so bad for our listeners. Yes. We just had taken a huge impromptu hiatus, but um I hope a lot of you had seen the couple posts that I made on our Instagram story um just explaining that we've both been sick. And yeah. Diana was dying, not literally, obviously. But I felt like it. But she felt like it. Mm-hmm. And that we would be returning. And we love you, bitches. And now we're back. Totes. So, yeah, find us on social media. Um, Instagram is my ride or die podcast. Gmail is my ride or die podcast at gmail.com. And where do we put complaints, Diana? In the fucking folder. It's, it's, it's a black hole of folders. And we will ignore them. Right? And what do we say to those people? Fuck you! Yeah! <laughs> it's so become great. a thing. It's become a thing. It's gonna it's gonna go on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> it is. We're gonna put a lot of shit on t-shirts. Yes, we will. And it's gonna be hilarious. It's all brilliant. It's all brilliant. The fact that we haven't done it yet is kind of annoying. I know. We gotta do it. We're brilliant. We are. Yeah. We gotta get it on t-shirts. Fuck yes. <laughs> right absolutely fuck yeah absolutely yeah so uh we also have twitter my ride or die pod but we never go on it never no because twitter sucks it does and facebook my ride or die podcast let us know what you think we're happy to be back Mm -hmm. we hope you guys enjoy this episode Mm -hmm. and we're looking forward to continuing on with the rest of our current stories for episode 27 fuck yeah fuck yeah All right, guys, it's two o'clock in the morning, our time. I'm done. I'm done. All right. I want to go smoke a joint. And I'll join you, but sure. uh, I want to vape, though. I'll, I'll vape. So you vape, I'll smoke a joint outside. Right. Okay. Man, is it ever good to be back? Yeah, totally. All right. Yeah. Love you, bitches. Love you, bitches. Bye. Bye.